Well, hello. Welcome to the 11 Dubcast brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I'm Johnny Ginter, and I am joined today by uh, our fill-in host. We got Andy Vance. Yay, Andy. Yay. How you doing? <laughs> My man, it's good to be back. Um, fresh back from the Steel City and the yeah, NCAA Wrestling Championships. It's good to be back in Columbus and on the Dubcast. You were doing some serious yeoman's work over there in uh in pittsburgh you had you were just kicking serious amounts of ass so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about all the stuff that you saw and all the very fun people that you talked to and uh before we do that i mean we're getting to the wrestling and, and talk about ohio state wrestling in general uh because it's it's a huge story i don't want to just say that this is like an add-on we would be talking about wrestling no matter what because you know when you've got uh the nationals and everything like that. You've really got to get into it, but we're going to talk about basketball first. We're going to start with the fact that Ohio state men's basketball without Kata Bates D up accomplished exactly as much as they did with Kata Bates D up, which to me says that Chris Holtman is either a witch or has some kind of like secret dark power that can get his teams to the round of 32 in March madness, no matter what. So I was, I was pretty stoked. I, I got to tell you something. If I'm looking at this season as a whole, uh, especially anything post Christmas, um, I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped by this result. It was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't you know when they go in and they're playing Houston, and you're like, all right, well, it would be really cool if they were able to get out of here and, and maybe get into the second weekend and maybe you know kind of move on and do something. You've got that glimmer of hope, and then of course they just they just couldn't compete with what Houston could bring to bear, especially defensively. Um, but that game against Iowa State, they they played a classic Chris Holtman Ohio State game where they just kind of ground out a win, and it was it was a lot of fun to watch. How would you? So Andy, let me ask you this: How would you, on the whole, grade the season? That's something we talked about on Slack. What what letter grade would you give to the entire basketball season with the result that we saw this weekend? I mean, it's it, it's hard for me to give them anything worse than like like a b plus partly because and, and i'm not one that jumps in on the you know exceeds expectations kind of thing you know like uh sure. why, why um the head coach of the iowa football team has been big 10 coach of the year 27 times you know i'm not i'm not in that <laughs> uh i'm not in that school of thought but man when i look at this team and what we assumed was going to happen this season second round and and a respectable uh, performance in both tournament games, obviously a huge upset over the Cyclones, but I mean, even that Houston game, yeah, Houston pulled away kind of down the stretch, but those last handful of buckets, you know, the game was already decided, so you call them garbage time touchdowns. Uh, sure. I mean, they, they hung with a Houston team that clearly was a better team, um, you know, head and shoulders, probably a better team, and, and they hung with them because of the want to those guys have. It certainly wasn't because um, Ohio State had the, the, the personnel to hang with them, uh, I, I kind of marvel and uh, some of the conversations we had as a staff, you know, kind of marvel at, um, you know, some of the things like ball handling and, and passing that I'm just like, these are basic fundamentals that on some level we struggle with, uh, not yeah. because of the coaching, but just because of the personnel. But uh, man, I, I'd love to just give this, say this is, an, this is an A for me because I had zero expectations. This was supposed to be the big rebuilding year after last year's exceeds expectations performance. So I guess this is the new baseline for me. I think that's so. I, the optimism I think is warranted, and I agree with you that it is. You know, you're you're doing a lot with not so much. I kind of wonder how much you really. And again, I, I always say like you know, it's a lot of it's about just the the people on the court or on the field. Like there's there's a certain amount that you're going to have to just kind of say like maybe these guys just aren't that great. But 
I don't want to let Chris Holtman and his staff completely off the hook for a team that consistently did some really dumb things during the year. And granted, some of it's some of its age, some of it's youth. Uh, but when you see the same really stupid passes being made over and over again and, and some ball handling that is just not very good, you got to wonder, like, you know, the coaching staff has to coach these guys up just at least a little bit. Um, but in terms of, you know, playing together and having cohesive plan and, you know, learning like how that they can all contribute and that anybody can step at any time. I think those are all, you know, hallmarks of what Chris Holton's been able to do. The Iowa State game is a great example of that. They, it wasn't a pretty game to watch. It wasn't a game where everybody was like, okay, this is going to be a fun March Madness shootout. It was, it was a very typical Ohio State 2018, 2019 game. And I appreciate that because it shows that Chris Holtman is the guy who's kind of steering the ship. I will give it a solid B, and I will give it a solid B because of how unbelievably painful some of those games were to watch, particularly uh, January, February, March. Some of those games were just really, really hard to watch. Um, It it is not pretty basketball, but again, you've you've got to play with what you got, and you've got a leading scorer who gets in foul trouble extremely easily, and you've got the rest of the team who just really can't create their own shot. So, you know, I give it a B because overall, I, I think there are things, some things that could have been short, uh, you know, short up, but the the end result was fantastic. And, you know, you get an upset win in the NCAA tournament, you know, against a team that I think most people thought was a matchup nightmare for Ohio State. That's a really cool result. And I, I just, you know, it was, it was fun as hell. And I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to next season when they're going to get in some guys, some scorers who can, you know, maybe add that extra dimension that Ohio State just did not have uh, this past season. Yeah, I think for me, part of it too, and you, you said it well, you don't want to let staff off the hook for some of the things that you just bang your head against the wall and say, why, why? But <laughs> but, but I, I think some of those things I put on, I put on the players, maybe there's, you know, for whatever reason, it's just never going to happen for them. And I look at this team and say, okay, Coach K or, or Calipari or whoever you think, the, if you pick your favorite three, Tom Izzo. I don't know if Tom Izzo is going to get these guys, you know, past the round of, of 32, right? right? So, and and Tom Izzo, by the way, I mean, I have a, he, he's one of my favorite, uh, you know, non-Ohio State coaches. If I was going to pick another guy, you know, at another school and say who would be my guy, you know, sky's the limit. It'd be, it'd be a tough sell for me not to go with, with that man. Uh, but I think the result would be the same just because the bodies you got on the court, you know, the Jimmy's and Joe's versus the X's and O's. I think there's a ceiling with this set of Jimmy's and Joe's and you're right, man, you get some, you get some guys who can, couldn't manufacture some offense the next year. Chris Holtman. I, I can't think of a thing he has done since his arrival in Columbus. That wasn't the exact right thing to do. I, I yeah. just, the way he runs his organization is really impressive to me from little things like, you know, his social media interactions on through to big things like, uh, um, you know, going back to St. John arena to play a game and the throwback jerseys and just everything about it has, has gotten me back in to wanting to be uh, a fan of Buckeye basketball for reasons other than just cause it's my school. Yeah. I just, I, I think the dude is a truly modern coach. And, and and what I mean by that is that he understands all of the things that a coach in 2019 is expected to be and expected to do and even expected to act. I mean, we, you know, you bring up Tom Izzo, there is that, you know, kerfuffle about him, like, you know, getting really angry at the the player and whatnot. I mean, that's, you know, again, I, I think that was really overblown, but you know, it, I think it also shows that, 
you know, Tom Izzo is a guy who's been in the coaching game for a really, really, really long time. Uh, he's going to be vulnerable to things like that. And I'm not saying that's going to sink his career or anything like that, or even have an impact at all past, you know, a couple of days. But I don't think you'll ever see Chris Holtman get into a situation like that because I think he's acutely aware of what his outward appearance needs to be and what he needs to say and what he needs to do as a head coach at Ohio State. Dude's getting paid a lot of money, a lot of money. (laughs) But I think he has – but look, you know, we paid Urban Meyer a lot of money. He didn't do half the things that Chris Holtman does in terms of like outreach, media, um, general, you know, personality type stuff that you have to do to get people on your side. I I just think he really, really, really gets it and understands what he needs to do as the Ohio State men's basketball coach to make men's basketball as impactful as a revenue sport as Thad Mata was able to get it when, you know, they're going into final fours and things like that. So I just, you know, like I said, I I think the guy just has what you need to be a modern, uh, you know, head coach in in college uh, sports. And it's just, it's, it's really fun to watch because there's so many things that were deficient and lacking under Thad Mata. Not to say that Thad was a bad coach. I just don't think he was interested in doing the types of things that Chris Holtman is. And Chris Holtman just like completely excels at it. So it's been a lot of fun to watch. I want to, Andy, I want to ask you this. So we've got, you know, you've got some, a pretty good recruiting class. You got three guys coming in, you got DJ Carton, you got Alonzo Gaffney, you got EJ Liddell. What do you want to see? What is, what is the goal for the Ohio state men's basketball team who is returning a decent amount of dudes, some guys that I, you know, I think can still make an impact. Uh, what is the goal next year? What, what do you think they should be able to do? I mean, for me, Ohio State basketball should always be aiming for the the top of the mountain. Now, basketball, it's really hard to do, right? It's, it, I mean, sure, in, some, yeah. in some cases, winning a basketball championship is as much about luck as it is about how good you are. The best team does not always win the NCAA tournament. Um, matchups matter, all, all those kind of things. So, but but the goal, you know, should always be in in every sport we field a team. The resources Ohio State has, the brand Ohio State has, the talent Ohio State can draw, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The goal should always be titles. Now, next year in specific, I mean, I, to me, it feels like this, these are the kind of you, you got to make the dance. That's that's sort of the bare minimum. And and you, I I don't get too upset if you're making a run, you know, and winning at least one or two games in the tournament on a regular basis. I, I think it's real hard to be super critical of a coach. Uh, if you're not at a Duke or Kentucky to be ticked off about your team and uh, how the coach is performing. So, and that's part of the reason I say, I, I think this was a great season for these guys, not just because of the expectations, but because, Hey, this, this is what we hired you to do. We hired yeah. you to get, to get to the tournament, win a game or two, you know, build, 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 build. So if you've got a team next year that is improving, um, what if they get to the round of 32 again and that's it, Hey, okay. If you got better, those things we were talking about earlier about some of those ugly games that you watched. Uh, if some of those things we start to see improvement, Hey, then, then I'm a happy camper, uh, whether or not we make it to the round of 32, the sweet 16 or, or what have you. Yeah, I I'm with you on that. I mean, some of the, you know, some of the way the NCAA tournament works out is so much about seating and matchups and what happens. And there, you know, there are so many things that can happen in the tournament. I'm not going to say they got to go to the sweet 16 or the lead eight next year for it to be a success. I'm not going to say that. I think you have to get in the tournament. I think you absolutely have to do that. And if you can win a game or two, that would be awesome. Um, but I'm with you. I think improvement absolutely has to happen. 
and again, you know, you saw you saw just recently. I mean, UCF had a, a real shot at taking out Duke, which yes. is the prohibitive favorite of the entire yes. thing. They had two shots right at the rim in the last seconds. If any one of those goes in, they it's a major, major upset. So it, you can't really just say that you, you've got to have a certain amount of NCAA success, uh, but you definitely got to get there. And I, I think with the team that they have, the core that they have, They'll have enough scoring. They'll have the defense. They'll have the – well, the size is going to be a little bit of a problem. That's something that we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about probably um, in the uh, the coming months, especially as they they start looking at the uh, the transfer game here in a little bit. But um, if they can shore that up, they can get the interior defense working. They'll have the scoring. And you can kind of tell you, – you can see what the type of player that he's recruiting and, and what they're trying to run, what it, the team's going to look like. Because one of the things that I've loved about – uh, Chris Holtman, aside from all the other stuff, you know, the, the personality stuff is just the fact that the teams make sense. They're not yeah. just out there like like you can tell what they're trying to do. They're not very good at it, but you can tell that yep. they actually have an idea. Um, you know, it's it, he's got a he's got a system that he's running and then, you know, the guys aren't really great at running it, but it's it's coherent at least. So, you know, you get the guys in that they can do it and uh, the team gets a lot better. And, you know, the Big Ten, I think, has proven that it was a tough, good conference um due to their performance in the ncaa tournament and you know you can be successful there i think you can be successful in the postseason as well so i'm excited i think the future is really bright i think that chris holtman has definitely got ohio state on the right track and i'm really pumped to see these new guys come in i want to see what you know all these dudes like carton and all these dudes can do when they get to uh to columbus so you talk uh, about that interior defense and, and i mean the interior game in general is one of the things that as i was watching that game um against houston you know they kept showing the stat of points in the paint and at, at right. one point it was like 26 to 6 yeah it was 24 to 4 it was 20 to two. 20 to 2 was the first time i really noticed it was like holy smokes they're doing whatever they want inside and we're not doing anything. Uh, yep. And so some of that, like you say, you have to, you have to kind of understand what they're trying to do systematically. And that's one thing. Uh, but man, it was, th- that was just as somebody who likes good old school, take it to the whole basketball. <laughs> that was driving me crazy. Uh, when <laughs> well, every time they show that stat, I'm like, I'm dying inside, you know? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's and that was the thing, like a lot of the games and that's why it's been hard to watch because a lot of Ohio State's games this season have been predicated on whether or not they can actually, you know, hit what they're hitting and it, they're not going to be driving to the paint. And, and if you got Caleb, who, you know, either commits a foul or, or just kind of misses a bunny, like, you know, in the paint, <laughs> like it's just, you know, they have so many deficiencies and it's kind of amazing that they were able to be able to accomplish what they did. Um you know, and, and again, when they were hanging real tough with Houston at the very beginning of the of the first half, you're like, all right, well, they're probably not going to be able to continue to shoot 60 percent from the field. Right. So let's see what actually happens. And again, when you have a situation like that, when you've got some guys who can create their own shot and can actually like slash towards the basket and things like that, you can you can weather the fact that eventually you're going to come down to earth from your outside shooting. So, you know. Adding guys like Carton and, and Gavney and, and Liddell, that 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 changes the game a little bit. That allows them to be more multidimensional than they were this season. And they just they weren't. They were super one-dimensional. And you know, I think the defense is always going to be there. I think you know Holtman knows how to to fix that and to get that going. But uh, you got to score points, and it's it's hard. Houston, to be fair, Houston is you know they they held. Caleb completely in check. It's one of the best, if not the best defensive team in all of college basketball. 
So I don't want to I don't want to put too much on uh, on Holtman and company because that was a really really you know tall ask uh, for this team. They, that is a very very good Houston team, and I think they're going to continue to make some noise in the tournament. Um, all right, so that was a lot of fun. We got another tournament to talk about, and this is the one that you helped us out a lot with <laughs> on the website. So let's talk about wrestling. You you wrote you wrote Andy an article um, on Eleven Warriors on our website. Uh, titled a a golden age, Ohio State has solidified its place as an elite wrestling program, which I would agree with. Yeah. I would agree with. Okay, but there are a lot of Ohio State fans out there who are wondering stupidly if <laughs> if any of that matters when you've got a team in Penn State that is just sitting on the throne of collegiate wrestling right now and does not look like they're going to relinquish it ever. Does does the success from Ohio State and Tom Ryan matter in light of the fact that it doesn't look like they're going to be able to consistently get over that hump? So I think there are a couple things that I've tried to just in conversations with people this season get get across to the average person watching this. And I, and I, and I should back up a minute. So you have kind of two different groups of people who who watch the sport of wrestling. And for the first group, I'm going, to, I'm going to call casual fans. These are people who maybe didn't wrestle or um, are, are maybe only interested in the wrestling team because it's Ohio State's wrestling team or whatnot. In other words, we're not, you know, not in the bucket of eat, sleep, and breathe the difference between um, all of the various moves that a wrestler might throw down and can quote to you chapter and verse the difference between a uh, a Camaro or a Merkel or a Super Duck or a, you know whatever other lingo you want to throw <laughs> throw at you. just stop making up words. I know those aren't real things. Yep, worry. yep. So that that's one group, and then you have the group of people who really do eat, sleep, and breathe the sport of wrestling. And, yeah. you know, that's th- that it's really, really important to them to, you know, see Ohio State compete at that highest level. For one thing, I, I said earlier, I want Ohio State competing for titles in every sport we field. I mean, that's, you know, that is sure. that is the goal. Um, Penn State is the New England Patriots of wrestling. Penn State is the Alabama football of college wrestling. Penn State is insert your favorite dynasty here. You know, there, there were the Yankees under Steinbrenner. I mean, what, what, what Kale Sanderson is doing in happy Valley hasn't been done since Dan Gable was head coach at Iowa, um, you know, a couple of decades ago. And, and, and right. by the way, you know, Iowa, you know, one, I think under Gable, it'd be 20 some, I got to look and somebody's going to, you know, text in that I should have known this number off the top of my head, but I mean, it was more than twice as many titles as Kale has won yet. Now Kale is young enough that he could absolutely catch or, or exceed what Dan Gable did at Iowa. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong, but, but we're not there yet. We're talking uh, eight titles in nine years. I mean, that is, that's extreme, right? It's where we're talking about again, Alabama or, or the new England Patriots and so on in football. So the group of hardcore wrestling fans are ones that, that I keep counseling to just remember, just pay attention. What Penn state's doing is again, unprecedented, since Dan Gable, and B, if you look at the space between Ohio State and everyone else, it's pretty big. Like you have this this tier that is just Penn State, and there's a gap, perhaps. And that's I talked about that some in that article you referenced. Right. And then there's Ohio State, and Ohio State has been the clear challenger to Penn State. Now there have been years that those 
you know, those tournament scores between first and second, I mean, this year is a good example. There's 32 points uh, between um, more than 32 points, 30, 30, you know, there's a lot of points between Penn State and Ohio State in first and second. But if you then, again, you look between Ohio State and Oklahoma State in third place, you know, there's, there's 12 and a half points of separation there. If you go last year between Ohio State and Iowa, Iowa's third place, you're looking at 36 and a half points of separation between Ohio State and Iowa. Now, the year before, 2017, Oklahoma State was within seven points of the Buckeyes. But Oklahoma State, you know, again, as I say, was 12 and a half points back. And the year before, they didn't even place in the top five and so on and so forth. Uh, so Ohio state has been in the top five, uh, top three, each of the past five years. And the Buckeyes have finished in the top 10 at the NCAA tournament, 12 out of 13 years since Tom Ryan came to Columbus and they finished the top three more than half. In other words, seven out of his 13 years here. When, when you're coaching your team to the top three in your sport, more than 50% of the time. How how do you get any better than that? And in this case, Kale Sanderson's <laughs> literally the only person in this sport doing that at a higher clip than Tom Ryan. Now, I would say, you know, Tom Brands at Iowa, John Smith at Oklahoma State. Those are those are coaches that seriously can do that. But in the last five years, Tom Ryan's been the guy who's anywhere close to catching Kale Sanderson. I also think it's really important to point out that the the number of um, multi-year national champions that Penn State's had on the roster over these five years. Now, you know, you go back and say, okay, was that was that recruiting? Was that coaching? Um, a combination of recruiting and coaching, I would say. But it's it's really incredible the number of NCAA finalists that Penn State's had on its roster over that same five-year stretch. You know, if you look this year, they sent five to the finals. Three of them won. Last year, you sent five to the uh, three to the finals. Um, no, five to the finals. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong column in my chart. And you had one, two, three, four national champions and a runner up. You know, the year before 2017, you had five national champions, one of which is the Hodge Trophy winner. I mean, it's just, it's really astounding to me. Now, you know, if you look at their team scores over that three year period, you know, they've come back down a little bit, you know, that 2017 mark at 146 and a half tournament points, uh, 141 and a half last year, 137 and a half this year. So they've, you know, they're starting to revert to mean a little bit and you take, um, we're graduating Jason Nolf and Bo Nickel this year. Um, and, you know, Zane Rutherford graduated last year. So those are three guys in that string of back to back to back titles who are just, you know, mutants. Of well, the sport. Let's, so let's talk about that a little bit because the, the kind of transition is going to affect Ohio state as well. And I want to talk about how Ohio state did. I mean, you've got a lot, you got a <laughs> kind of, kind of born to runner up here a little bit. Uh, you had one huge upset of a guy that was expected to kind of be the, the marquee dude. Um, what is, let's, let's talk about what Ohio State was able to accomplish. You've got several national runners up, but let's let's talk about what the future looks like as well. So, can you recap, you know, what happened with Miles, and then some of the other guys who were in the finals, and then maybe what it looks like going forward in the next couple of seasons? So, I, I think I need to go back to Cleveland a year ago at the NCAA tournament. Uh, Kyle Snyder, Bo Jordan, Nathan Tomasello are the heart of that team. Uh, three senior leaders who finished as four-time All-Americans. Snyder finished, of course, as a three-time NCAA champion. 
you had Bo was a multi-year finalist and, and Tomasello was a, a former NCAA champion himself. So there was an incredible amount of talent on that team and a lot of tournament points, you know, as well. Um, Tomasello finished third. You had uh, Bo finished, was runner up to Mark Hall. And uh, of course, Snyder won against Adam Kuhn in, in the great rematch there uh, of the finals. So you had, you know, a lot of talent on, on that team. I said that wrong. I said uh, Miles finished as runner up. I mean, to Bo Nickel, not, not Bo to Mark Hall. Um, so you had a lot of talent on that team that graduated. Okay. So following perhaps the most talented team that Tom Ryan had ever put on the field, uh, you lose those three seniors and you kind of then assume that team had to, by definition, take a step back. And in terms of tournament scoring, they did take a step back, right? They went from 133 and a half points last year to 96 and a half points this year, and yet still finished as national runners up. Right. Uh, and part of that was because you advanced some more guys deeper in the tournament than, than we did a year ago. Part of it was because again, the gap between second and third is still pretty, is pretty wide. Uh, and there were some matchups there, you know, Ohio state wrestled Oklahoma state uh, in a match or two and so on. Um, Iowa was the team really that I thought could have challenged this year. They took seven into the quarterfinals um, and I think went five, uh, two and five, you know, so they just had a disastrous round there at one point that killed their chances of, of knocking Ohio state out of the second place. So what happened then this year is you have senior captains in miles Martin uh, Joey McKenna and Micah Jordan, who were all three or four-time All-Americans. Mike Miles finishes a four-time All-American. Miles was the one guy on the roster that you said, if you could just at the beginning of the season pencil into the NCAA finals and probably a title, it, it was Miles. Yeah. Um, you know, run, runner up last year, uh, won the NCAA title at 174 pounds as a true freshman. The guy's lightning in a bottle. And I love Miles. He's one of my favorite guys to cover because he's an incredible wrestler. But it, it felt like in the match when he got upset uh, by Max Dean of Cornell there in the semifinals. I mean, it was a heartbreaking match. And I just watched and I and, and it felt like and he said so in our interview afterward that he got a little overconfident and, and his head wasn't where it needed to be. I mean, he just looked to me like he for some reason he, he just didn't show up. Miles Martin did not show up in that match. Uh, and, and it showed because Dean, while Cornell is a great school and, and Dean is a solid wrestler and comes from a fantastic family of great wrestlers, he ain't Miles Martin. He's yeah. not, uh, you, you go back and, and Miles beat him 17 to seven at the Cliff Keen and he beat him, uh, I think, um, 13 to, to five or 13 to six at the dual meet in Ithaca a month ago. I mean, Miles just can beat that guy anytime he wants to. And he fooled around and, and got upset in that match. And that really was the thing that um, kept Ohio State from seriously threatening Penn State because then, you know, Miles drops back in the, and he finishes third, which great finish, but a lot of points then, you know, that were lost off that, uh, off that team title because, because of that finish. Uh, then you had, as you say, the kind of born to runner up. You had three guys that finished as NCAA runner up, runners up in Joey McKenna, Micah Jordan, and Colin Moore. Colin, you know, was facing Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel, like Zane Rutherford, is one of those guys at Penn State that just can't be beat. Just is 
um, an unbelievable folk style wrestler. It'll be interesting to see how uh, he performs as a freestyler, but uh, he just had Collins Moore. They were Colin Moore's number. They wrestled three times this year. Um, Colin wrestled his best match against Bo in the NCAA finals for what it's he worth. Did. Um, yeah. he, he looked like, you know, he really was in it. And, uh, you know, I think he learned a lot in the first two outings. He got, he got pinned in St. John arena and, and, you know, a lot of people will focus on that, but that happens. Um, it, it, it just happens, you know, and especially with a guy like Bo, who, by the way, pinned miles, in the NCAA finals miles was on a shot. And, and Bo just is one of those guys that, man, he can just hit a counter, hit a reattack and, and you're on your back. You know, you don't even know what hits you. And not a lot of guys can do that. He can. He did it to Miles. He did it to Colin. The second time they wrestled at the Big Ten Championships, it was a bit closer. I think it was a major. And then, um, you know, Colin held him within a half a dozen here on this last one. So, you know, it's one of those times where you say you didn't get embarrassed in the last match of the NCAA Championships. Colin's going to come back next year and be a four-time All-American. Probably will be in the NCAA Finals again. Um, you know, he, he will probably start the year as the number one um guy in the class and and understandably so yeah Joey McKenna graduates and that's a heartbreaker that's one you know we spent some time uh yesterday wrote a piece about Tom Ryan really feels like um the lack of an independent replay an independent um review uh at the NCAA finals cost his guy a bit I want to ask you Andy how do you feel about that because you you were okay we talked about this we collect well you wrote it I just helped edit a little bit but you uh were writing on this you want to be very even-handed and that's appropriate on the website and I appreciate your professionalism but we're on the dubcast now Andy Vance and I want to know what is your opinion on that because as a layman as somebody who just watches wrestling casually and, and you know never wrestled and doesn't really know all the ins and outs that seemed like complete BS to me. I don't feel that that was a two-point fall. How do you feel about that? Yeah, so it wasn't a takedown. Um, yeah. I, and it's interesting. I was sitting in the press box next to um, a an NCAA official who uh, officiates a lot of Division Two and a lot of Division Three wrestling, and um, he knew the official who was calling the match, and you know, he said, boy, that's a tough one. And I could tell, you know, when, when an official says, Ooh, that's a tough one. You interpret that as, yeah, he made the wrong call. Um, right. So, and, and for me personally um, looking at, I think, I think coach Ryan in the tweet that, that I uh, quoted in that piece um, has it, he, you know, Yanni Diakamahalas, his hips, his hips were high. He didn't have the, he didn't have the boot in his weights kind of falling off of him. And if you watch the actual sequence, I mean, Joey, clearly was not under his control and, and um, you know, was out from under him pretty quickly from there. And that's why he was able to get the escape point almost instantly because Diakon Hollis didn't have control. Now, right. even, even if you feel like it was a takedown, which, you know, reasonable people can differ on this, right? Um, if you feel like it wasn't a takedown, here's the real issue. The real issue is that in the NCAA finals, you know, in other words, the most important round of the most important tournament of the year when the coach throws the challenge brick the official who has just made the call in question has to walk over to the monitor he gets to see one camera angle on a monitor at the scorer's table and then you're asking him to objectively say oh you know what coach i got that wrong shucks and overturn his own call <laughs> right I mean, how many times Absolutely. On national television in an arena with 18,950 screaming fans. Right. 
You expect that person who has just made a call in the waning seconds of a national final to say, gosh, I, I screwed up. <laughs> so, so what Sorry, Tom Ryan's really arguing is that we need an independent reviewer offsite who is watching the feed and not influenced by the crowd noise and, and the, you know, right. all of those things that, that go on to an official who's called and who, by the way, didn't just make the call. Right. Exactly. It's, I think that personally, I think that's the larger part of it. When you ask a guy like, it, I mean, you know, as a fan of baseball, I just think it's hilarious that you would say like, Oh, okay. Let's just ask the umpire if he was right. Like, are you it. kidding me? Yes. Like, yes. They're good. Yes. I was right. Yes. I was correct. I am better at this than you. I know what I'm talking about. Get out of my face. Like that's, and I just, I think it's ridiculous. I will say this, Andy, I love the fact that Tom Ryan gets on Twitter and defends his, his, uh, you know, his wrestler like this, because that, I think a lot of people might not do that. I, I feel like that's maybe, and maybe it's a sport thing. Maybe it's just different in wrestling, but you know, in college football or in basketball, you wouldn't necessarily go to bat for one of your players like that. And I just think it's really, really cool that he addressed this and was up front and there was no BS. And he has a he has a reasonable point. It wasn't like he was just going out there and complaining. He's not screaming at the press or anything like that. He had a clear, concise point to make. He made it. And I appreciate that he did that in defense of his his athlete because I think Joe McKenna deserved to have a national championship. And I think that was BS that it was taken away from him like that. And, and um, you know, the thing the thing that I think people have to understand, uh, and I watched this, you know, John Smith at Oklahoma State, you know, the legendary wrestler and head coach, um, he threw the challenge brick in, in the 133-pound final because he felt like Nick Siriano grabbed the headgear of Dayton Fix late in that right. match. Yes. And, you know, there again was a call that was uh, was upheld, shock of shocks, and people on Twitter just eviscerated Smith for throwing the brick on a, on a hands to the face or a headgear call. And here's the thing you have to understand. Those coaches, they live and die with their guys. You know, number yeah. one, these are guys who competed at a high level themselves. I mean, John Smith competing at literally at the highest level. Uh, and, and Tom Ryan, you know, wrestled at Iowa under Dan Gable. I mean, these are guys who know the sport. They live the sport almost literally their entire lives. And they love their wrestlers. Tom Ryan I mean, you, you go back and watch the video interview I did with Coach Ryan after Miles Martin lost that semifinal match. Um, you can watch that on the Living Warriors YouTube channel. And you, you just hear the, the almost despair in his voice for his guy. That He's not despairing for, for him. He knows his team is going to finish as NCAA runners up, you know, that yeah. it's not like, Oh, that match just cost me personally something. No, that match meant something to miles Martin. Therefore it meant something to Tom Ryan. And you just hear the pain in his voice. And so, you know, people, uh, you know, just eviscerate these guys on Twitter for stuff like that. And I think, I think a guy like John Smith, a guy like Tom Ryan, they're guys that if they're your guys, you love them and you'd go to war for them and you'd take a bullet for them. But if they're for the other team, you know, you just, you know, like you, you pick apart everything they do and it's, uh, Oh geez, here's, and I hear, <laughs> I hear people criticize, you know, Coach Ryan, oh, geez, Tom Ryan doing this again. And you go on the Twitter feed and you'll see a bunch of Penn State trolls, you know, giving Tom crap. Like, well, spend more time uh, coaching for national title instead of uh, <laughs> criticizing the officials. You'd maybe have a shot to beat Cam's. Like, all right, go back to your cave. Thank you. There's a bridge that needs guarding. Um, and yeah, and, well, and and that drives me crazy. But 
I mean, that's what you get when you're, you know, a high state coach of any sport. I mean, that's that's what comes with it. And it's and that also comes with increased visibility in the sport as well. I mean, wrestling and this is a credit to Tom Ryan and what he's been able to do. And of course, his, his wrestlers put like, you know, when you have this level of success, Ohio State fans who are just casual fans like me who are like, well, this is this is expected. This must happen every time. Like you must you must win every time. And they. You know they won't ex- you know accept the idea that there's something you know above them or that there's a team that could be better because this is Ohio State and we win everything and then, even though that's obviously not as simple as you know you want to make it, um, I think it is a testament to the kind of success that he's been able to have, especially over the past five seven years. So I'm just you know I'm I'm pretty excited for the wrestling team. I know that there are some guys coming in who are going to be I think huge difference makers. Um, and we'll see. I mean, you talked about kind of the core of Penn State, you know, definitely changing and, and, leave, and moving on a little bit. Uh, there might be an opportunity in the next two or three years. Again, you, you're much better at this analysis than I am. You know the, the ends and outs here. But from where I'm looking, I'm looking at the, you know, the, the guys that are coming in. I think there might be a shot that Ohio State has to maybe get another title here. Yeah, is, so that, is that is... inaccurate? No, or no is I, that... I mean, I think I think the brightest days for the program are ahead of it. And that's, yeah. you know, that's crazy to say when we've just talked about how incredible the last five years have been, um, you know, and, and you don't have a Logan Steber on the roster anymore. You don't have. A, and by the way, there's a guy who is maybe the most underrated Ohio State athlete of all time, if that's possible. Right. Um, because we, we forget just how incredible it's great. I bumped into. Uh, Logan and, and his young wife at um, the tournament. It's just great to see him because he's one of the best to ever put on a singlet. And I, I don't think people uh, really respect what, what he did because then Kyle Snyder kind of comes in on the exactly. tail end of that. And Kyle is Captain America and, and so on. Anyway, um, I think the brightest days for one, Ohio State's moving into what Tom Ryan describes as literally the best wrestling facility ever built. They're moving in here, you know, in a matter of weeks um, and that's that's paying huge dividends. If you look at the class that Ohio State just signed in the early signing period in November, you have three of the top five recruits in the country coming to Ohio State. And that was in no small part um, due to the fact that Ohio State has committed and built uh, this incredible wrestling facility and they're moving into the Cavelli Center, um, you know, as their as their performance arena and, and so on. Um, that That's huge. But you've got guys uh um greg kirkliet coming in from minnesota who is the undisputed number one heavyweight recruit in the country he's uh you know already been a world level freestyle gold medalist which is incredible um you've got some hometown talent coming in or home state talent coming in and the decatur brothers um again have had incredible freestyle success and one one uh folk style as well and then um also the other big one coming in um Dylan D'Amelio, I think, is is going to be um, a special one as well. He's another, you know, top twenty five recruit. So you you've got just some. Oh, jeez, uh, and I was going to forget uh, to mention Carson Karchluk. I mean, Karchluk is going to be huge. He's a top five guy. So again, you got three of the top five guys in the country coming in in this class on the heels of the number two recruiting class in the country last year. So these, you've got these red shirts on the bench right now who were a boatload, Sammy Sasso, you know, a top five guy, Jaden Maddox, a top five guy um, sitting on the bench, ready to go. Rocky Jordan, a top 30 guy, Gavin Hoffman, a top 10 guy. I saw Gavin Hoffman at the tournament. That kid's ready to go. Um, you know, you can tell these guys have been training and practicing and and they're ready to hit the, so next year could be one of two things. And I think this is, there, there could be a divergence here. 
you could either see all of these red shirts who are top five and 10 recruits and maybe even some of these true freshmen. I think, you know, one of the Decatur brothers could potentially end up in the lineup. Um, you could also potentially see Karchula, depending on how Caleb Romero looks come in. I, you know, um, I think Kirk Fliet is going to red shirt. I think, I think that seems likely. Um, but you, you could see a really super young roster that just catches fire and makes some noise and is, and is again in that top two or three. Um, or it could be you're like Penn state had before this current class of world beaters. You know, they had, they had one kind of rebuilding year in the string that was 2015 Ohio state wins the national title and, and Penn state had kind of fallen off the map that year. Um, by comparison, they, they were not even in the top five. So it, it could be one of those two things. Just, it just depends on how these young guns come in and, and take the job, but it's going to be exciting in either case because you're going to have yeah. very little senior talent. I mean, it's Luke Pletcher and Colin Moore. And then the rest of the roster, <laughs> it, the rest of the roster is kind of an, an open question. Uh, well, I there's think- a great, I, I put together a chart in that, that article you talked about, about the golden era where people can right. kind of go, you know, get an idea of what kind of talent is, is coming to replace some of these guys who have graduated. Yeah. If, if, well, if anybody can build it up, it's, it's Tom Ryan. So I'm, I think it's going to be, you know, it's setting up Ohio state long-term and that's, that's exactly what you see. You want to see them be able to continue that, that level of success that they've had in the past, you know, five years or so. Um, real quick. I just want to mention this before we move on to ask us anything. Uh, you know, we've, we've got the incredibly great and incredibly predictable news of Justin Fields getting his black stripe taken off his helmet so that's nice he's he's what now took so long um so i you know what is so are we officially putting uh the quarterback uh debate to bed is that what we're doing now is that is that where this we're at yeah and you're gonna you know get get talking about getting some uh you know comments in the you know some uh, in the mentions when you you talk about the quarterback controversy because there's some heated takes oh my on, god you know qb Gordon. He's the, he's the quarterback. He's, he's the, the quarterback. guy. He's the, the guy. End. Yeah, the, it is. He's the dude. Okay. You, did, you didn't go out and and bring in uh, the, the the big man on campus from Georgia to ride the pine. It's he's okay. the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just excited. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And and look, this is I've said this before. This is the first spring that I am like actually invested in the uh, the uh, spring football game in a really long time. I'm I'm gonna be there, man. I want to see what it's gonna look like. I want to see what Ryan Day spring game looks like. I want to see what Justin Fields looks like. I I'm just I'm stoked. It's really cool to see the guys that they brought in from the practice footage that we've been able to see, which is scant. Uh, he looks every bit the athlete and the the quarterback that I think you know people expect him to be. So you know, under the tutelage of Ryan Day, I think he's gonna he's gonna make a huge impact on Ohio State. I don't look. I don't think they're necessarily gonna go out and win a national championship or anything like that. They're gonna be a dangerous team. They're gonna be a really really dangerous team. There was another uh, article today about uh, our good friend Demario, who's still hanging around, still doing his thing. <laughs> and look, I gotta tell you something, man. You hit the reset button on the coach. You got a player that is incredibly quick, and we've. We love this dude because of who he is, not necessarily because of what he's done. I think he's going to have a chance to actually get a lot of fans because of his production on the field. And he's, again, this is a chance to hit the reset button and do something uh, special. You, you've got some guys who are clearing out in front of you. I want to see what Ryan Day tries to do. I want to see what he tries to do with the dude. And maybe it looks like a little bit like Saquon Barkley in the NFL, where you're just you're catching tons of passes and, and seeing what you can do on the edge. But 
Um, overall, this is going to be a new look team in a lot of ways that I think will surprise people. And I, I want to see it, man. I, I, again, I'm super hyped for the spring game. I'm, I'm going to be there front row. I want to see this this action firsthand. If you're going to be there, that means I, pr- I probably ought to go too because it's going to be a banger. Uh, yeah, man. You're, you're, you're going to be there tailgating the whole nine yards. I mean, Tony, <laughs> talking about talking about our man Demario. I mean, Tony Alfred says he's a grown ass man. So that, I mean, that uh, that's high praise from a guy who's coached uh, you know a room full of. Uh, uh, NFL talent so that's uh you know that's saying something and I think what I'm most excited about with the spring ball and, and spring games how's this team different uh, how's this team the same what's the, you know we've had a lot of continuity with this staff which I think is fantastic uh yep. in, in the things that you know maybe were deficiencies in the last couple of years of of uh Urban's tenure um, hello, Brian Hartline, you know, having an incredible unit after being the underperforming unit for so many years. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see what does this team look like? Uh, what's its DNA? What's its, what's its uh, modus operandi compared right. to Urban Myers? I'm kind of like you, you know, my expectations aren't national title or bust, but I don't see any reason why there's got to be a drop off here because the, the personnel are there. Um, the, the staff is there, the resources are there there's been a high degree of continuity. Somebody said to me um, at the tournament this week, they're like, oh, Ryan Day's not going to be, you know, this was not an Ohio State fan, by the way. It was probably a Penn State fan. And, uh, oh, you know, Ryan Day's not going to be there in three years. Like, oh, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> tell, t- tell me more about that. I feel like wishful uh, thinking, but sure. Yeah, so I, I don't believe a word of that, but I, I'm just really eager to see how how's this team. Day's going to put his own stamp on it um what is that stamp and and that that excites me yeah i think ryan day first of all i think he's a really really smart dude and and all the interactions that we've had with him uh, on 11 warriors you know just through either talking with him at practices or talking in private things like that he's he's a lot like chris holman in the sense that he just completely understands what he is required to do as you know the head coach of the high state buckeyes in terms of you know media and, and outward appearances and things like that but he's also just incredibly bright when it comes to college football in general. And um, I did a an article about Ryan Day and his kind of origins in, in New Hampshire. And it's interesting because, you know, there's obviously the Chip Kelly connections and things like that. But when you the more you read about his early career and, and you look at some of these articles from you know 10 years ago, even talking about this, this young hotshot Ryan Day, um, it just it's very obvious that the guy has um, a really good understanding of who he is as a head coach. So, you know, when people, I I think people are going to kind of hope that Ryan Day comes in next season and it's going to be essentially like Urban Meyer, you know, like 1.1, you know, where it's like, okay, it's the same team, but like no Urban Meyer. That's not going to be it. It's going to be a very different team in a lot of ways. And that's good. That's a good thing because that means you've got a head coach who is confident enough to put his stamp on the program in a way that you're going to recognize that it's their team. And look, I mean, Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer couldn't be possibly any more different as, as head football coaches, but they're both successful. They both won national championships at Ohio State, and you don't have to have a template that of success. You can be your own guy and be successful, and, and I, I know Ryan Day is going to have his own uh, idea about what a successful uh, team and football coach looks like, and if he can pull off the same you know feat that, that Trestle and Urban Meyer did, then go for it. He can be whatever he wants and do whatever he wants. And the team can look whatever it wants. Cause I, I just want championships. I want titles. There's no reason why they shouldn't be at the top of the big 10 next season with the talent that they have. 
and you know you're bringing in Justin Fields too. So I'm I'm pretty stoked. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's it's a shame we just get this this quick glimpse of them in the spring, and then they're just kind of like dead um, for several months. But you know, come come August, it's going to be pretty fun to watch. I'm excited. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think to some extent, you know, I think about Ryan Day, like we were talking about Chris Holtman earlier. Like the guy's just done all the right things, yeah, you know. And it's and it's and it's early. I mean, we're still in the honeymoon phase, you know, that which sure. which will end will which will end promptly the first uh, you know time Ohio State goes three and out or something like you know the first time Fields throws <laughs> right. uh, you know a pick first or we'll, we'll, oh yeah field. yeah yeah. I mean, it's the 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 boards will be a light, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, so far to me he done all the right things made all the right moves i i can't find a thing where i'm like ooh, gee i don't know about that one coach and so that, that i like you know you you like feeling like your favorite sports team is in good hands and i feel like at this stage good hands yeah absolutely agree um, if you guys enjoy the 11 Dubcast, please continue to listen to us on uh, iTunes, on Google Podcasts, wherever you get uh, your weekly dose of Ohio State sports information. Um, please make sure that you guys rate and subscribe to us on those particular platforms. All right, let's do Ask Us Anything real quick. Ask Us Anything, of course, you guys can do that by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. I want to start off with a question here from Suncard. Uh, he says, I hope all is well, which it is. It's it's pretty well. Thanks um, for asking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- here's my question. It is easy to look at past generations and say, they did that? What were they thinking? And I would add, I think that's a very good thing because I'm talking about the 1950s and 60s when they you know, were literally sending you know radioactive isotopes to kids and, and play sets, like scientific play sets and things like that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, we, my wife and I just bought a house um, where we had to sign the lead paint waiver, you know, because it was yeah. going so you know, fun stuff like that. So Suncard wants to know, uh, what are we doing today that future generations will say, what the hell were they thinking? Probably playing football. <laughs> yeah, I would say that would probably be one of them. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean that that to me is is probably an obvious one. Uh I and I struggle with this. I'm thankful that I'm thankful that my only child is a daughter because it means I don't have to have the tough conversation yeah. with myself uh, about whether or not I want my kid to play my favorite sport to watch as a fan. Right. Um, because I think, you know, we may look some years down the road and be like, huh, it's kind of like, you know, the gladiators and the, the Roman times like, oh, really? Huh? Somebody <laughs> thought that was a good idea. You know, that's that that may be what what we do. Um, yeah. But my favorite, by the way, your radioactive isotope deal is uh, the wood burning kit. You know, there's oh, right. I, don't remember, I don't remember who the comedian was who does <laughs> the bit, those, but, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. Like you put this uh, and so I'm going to rip off the whatever comedian's material it is that I'm thinking of. He's like, you know, you take uh, this thing that burns at about 9000 degrees Celsius and it has a two foot cord on it. So you've <laughs> got to plug it in next to mom's drapes, you know, like what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, mine was, was really fl- mine was playing football. What's your, what what's yours? <laughs> I think I think our and you know as someone who writes for the internet and and makes podcasts, I just think our uh, addiction to screens in general and instantaneous information is doing some really bad. I think it's rewiring our brains in a yeah. lot of ways. I, I yeah, think, and what bothers me, what what worries me is that uh, as a child, when I was a kid, I, I was a I was a just a voracious reader and and I still love to read, but like when I was a kid, I did nothing but read. 
And I would, uh, you know, before I would go to bed, I would be reading a book. And I, I don't know how many hundreds of books I would read in a year, but I just read and read and read and read and read. And, read. and I don't know that that's the experience of very many kids at all anymore. And, and I say this as a high school teacher. I'm not saying kids don't like to read. They absolutely like to read. There's there's all kinds of things. And they still read books. I, I'm not saying that kids are just like completely ditching books for their phones and things like that, because that's not true. If there's an interesting book or something that kids really want to get into, they'll read. But I guess what I'm more worried about is the fact that the acquisition of knowledge is now not based on thorough study and understanding. It's more of how quickly can I look this up, which is a problem because unless you're really good at figuring out what are reliable sources, uh, you could be pretty easily misled and led astray because your initial reaction is, I need to find this information as quickly as humanly possible. And there's just so much faulty information out there. And I, I, tr I repeat this to my students over and over and over again uh, about the necessity of primary source documents and reading and things like that. But um, yeah, man, that, that's what really worries me is that just the, the fact that people want information instantaneously leads them to not want to actually read and, and get understanding of things. Because it's, you know, as someone who, who likes to write and who likes to read, I know how difficult it is to create, you know, like a history book, for example, you know, what I, our friend John Bacon, right. You know, up there, you know, you know, the, the state up North there, he's doing some good work, uh, wrote a great book about the uh, Halifax disaster where there was this giant explosion in world war one. That was the largest non-nuclear explosion in, in human history. Um, and uh, you know, it's just, it's, that the work that it takes to create something like that, a piece of knowledge like that is incredibly difficult and intensive and time consuming. And I would hate it if somebody said, Oh yeah, I know about the Halifax explosion. I, I read the Wikipedia article, you know, I read right. a, a paragraph yes. of it because it's, 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 you're not really getting information. You're not really getting knowledge from it. And I just think that's, that's kind of degrading our understanding of a lot of these topics. Um, I see a lot of people online pontificating about, you know, on Reddit or, or on Twitter or Facebook or something, they're talking about like the, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation or, or other things related to the Civil War, something that I spent literally years studying and writing about. And I just, I just, I just lose my mind because I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. Well, and I think and that's the other part of it too, is like our, our, the social media or, or internet age, uh, you can throw in 24 hour cable news if you want, but we, we have this this need to be right all the time. Yeah. And and we speak on things that we know diddly jack about with the confidence of somebody who has three PhDs in the subject. I mean, it's yeah, and I'm guilty of that. I'm not it's gonna lie. Like, maddening. Sometimes. I mean, shoot. You know, it's it's it, you're right. There is this, there's just a an immediacy, like you just want to be right and you want to be right now. And it's really, really difficult to, to get out of that mindset. So um, I hope we can pull back on that a little bit. Uh, our next question here, we'll, we'll actually wrap up with this one because our time is running a little bit short. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up with this one here. This is uh, one from uh, the Twitters here. This is from James. He just wants to know, <laughs> this is a very valid question, by the way. Why did the Big Ten add Rutgers and not say, I don't know, UConn, right? Similar proximity to New York City and football successes and UConn's men's basketball and non-revenue sports are significantly better. And of course, women's basketball alone is probably more titles in the past decade than the entire Rutgers athletic department which is i actually think is actually true I, I think that is that is a correct thing that james just said that the yukon women's basketball team 
has more titles than Rutgers combined. And I, I would be very curious. I'm going to look that up, but I'm like 99% sure that's absolutely true. So it's <laughs> a lot to unpack there. And the question about why did we add Rutgers and not somebody else? And that, well, not specifically UConn. UConn seems like, look, I got UConn. I got their information on Wikipedia in front yeah. of me. One yeah. of the criteria that I think Ohio State, and the, not Ohio State, but the Big Ten, Jim Delaney would use is, okay, is this a land grant, right? Is this a public Yeah, that's the, 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 exactly. And it's a, you know, it has the same proximity in New York City for that market, um, for that media market. It's obviously got a tradition of success. You would hope that its athletic department isn't corrupt and, you know, and completely in the red. So, I, you know, I would imagine that UConn would have been a better choice. And I'm kind of curious why they didn't pick that. And I'm wondering if um, the other one I'm wondering about, and I haven't looked this up, is if UConn is in the, uh, is it the AAU? That's the big. Right, right. Uh, act, thing that they have yeah, there. that that's the other because that's the one when they added Nebraska, people, I mean, people, people kind of got their hackles up because Nebraska was not in. That was one. That was sort of the you know one A is is being land grant. Of course, not everybody in the Big Ten is a land grant. You've got Northwestern, um, you know, as an example, not not being a land grant, um, but most but most are right. So you're looking at large land grant public state universities who also belong to i think it's the aau but um it is the uh, aau no, and they okay. they are not in the aau themselves so so those are those were the yeah the aau being the association of american universities which right. shorthand is their uh distinguished research universities basically so right. I think the thing, yeah, that's, so UConn, I hadn't thought about UConn. I looked at some of the others. Uh, it's funny when you, when you ask that question um, way back in the day, like when I was first associated with 11 warriors as, as a reader, commenter, rabble rouser in the forums um, back in those days, we had user blogs on the site. And one of the, one of the first series of blog posts I wrote um, was about conference expansion and and uh, did this little piece about you know what are the what are the things that the big Ten's looking for and I, did, I never looked at UConn I looked at some of the others that kind of fit that mold of land grant um, and, and I kind of thought maybe expansion next would be more toward the south um, rather than further north and east but yeah boy UConn maybe would bring would brought more to the table than Rutgers but but let me defend Rutgers for a minute by the way uh, they had two two NCAA champions at the wrestling tournament this weekend and Nick Suriano and Anthony Ashnell, the school's um, first two NCAA champions. So for, for the lack of success they're having in their uh, revenue sports, their wrestling team is for sure on the rise. And with the talent in the state of New Jersey and wrestling, I think that program is going to continue to be on the rise. So, so let me, we'll hold that as our one good thing Rutgers does. (laughs) I mean, you know, if that's the one thing they can accomplish, then good for them. I guess. I'm gonna give them a pat on the back, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> credit where it's due. <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying. I don't. I mean, look, it, we're gonna we rag on Rutgers a lot, you know, everywhere, all the time, and they they deserve it because I don't they don't think they have any idea what they're. Chris Ash, God love them, just it's not working out. Uh, yeah, I, I think pretty much, you know, UConn's probably a good choice. I got to tell you something, pretty much anything else would have been a good co- choice or just not adding <laughs> Rutgers would also probably have been a good choice. 
So I, you know, it's it's the one thing we've kind of dinged Jim Delaney on quite a bit is this type of expansion, just not logical. Didn't seem like an addition to the the Big Ten. I mean, I think Maryland, fine. I mean, you've got a basketball tradition there that I, that I think helps out, but Rutgers, not so much. So, yeah, hopefully they can get something together and a little bit to add to some Big Ten pride. Um, that's it. That's Ask Us Anything, and that's also the 11 Dubcast for this week. Andy, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to have you on in the near future here. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Uh, lo- love love the show. Longtime listener, I guess now several-time caller. <laughs> yeah. All right. Talk to you guys next week.